I was supposed to call it out. <laughs> we got to change the order of service. <laughs> I get to go first, and then everything else happens after that. But amen. Thank you, Joe and Lori. That was whew. okay. Well, if you want to follow along with me, I'll be in the book of John. John, the 14th chapter, verses 19 through 21. John 14, 19 through 21. And he writes, before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do love you this morning, Lord, and we ask that you pour out your spirit upon this service. Lord, open our ears and our hearts to what you have to say this morning. And all these things we ask in your name. Amen. Now, like in 28 years now, I guess I've asked a lot of, it's our anniversary today, by the way. So, has anybody seen the Facebook post so far? You need to go look at that because somebody's had a lot more fun these last 28 years than I have. Uh, <laughs> I look scared to death. I'm holding on for dear life. But anyway, but over in my life, I have asked some really dumb questions, okay? If you read my devotion last week, you know, you read about me putting an aspirin on my tooth because I had a toothache. That's what mom and my grandmother told me to do. I always put an aspirin on your tooth. So when I saw the dentist and he realized that I had done that, he goes, why, why? And I said, well, my grandmother and my mom always said you put an aspirin on the tooth. And he said, well, when you get a headache, do you tape one to your forehead? <laughs> well, no. But when I was younger, we toured the Coca-Cola factory. And I saw how they bottled the soda. And it was very interesting to me how it happened. You know, they, these things come down, they fill up the cans and everything, and I was amazed by that. So, but a few years later, I'm not going to tell you how old I was. That's more embarrassing. But a few years later when I heard the soft drink, remember Tab? Y'all remember that, that drink, Tab? Tab had one calorie. And I, for the life of me, I couldn't figure out how they knew that only one calorie got into each can with that big thing just feeding all six of them. I still wonder about that. Uh, so I tried tab. And either I got the one can with all six calories or I got the one with none because that was the worst tasting thing I ever had. But I couldn't figure out how they could do that. But I've asked a lot of dumb questions. And I'm probably not done yet. I'm not done yet. <laughs> oh, I'm still done. But no, I'm not done yet asking dumb questions. But the other day I was at a restaurant. I had just paid for our meal and I was leaving. And I heard a waitress ask another person, how do you know there was a Jesus? And as, I, as I'm walking to my car, I'm like, well, that's a dumb question. But as I drove home, I thought, was it really dumb? 
Is that really a dumb question? Now, we as Christians know Jesus lives. We have a personal relationship with him, and the Holy Spirit makes him very real to us. But I want to look at it from this person's view, because I had to. As I'm driving home, I'm like, why would they ask that? So I'm going to use, we'll use David Spell as an example. And David, I'm sorry. But if you went to Tokyo, Japan tomorrow, without a picture, without film, without any evidence, how do you make them believe, the people of Tokyo, that there was a David Spell? What would be the difference in trying to get them to believe in Jesus or in David? You could have David's birth certificate, but I've got Jesus' birth, family tree, and everything in this book. I'm not sure if you realize this, but David is considered one of the best athletes to ever come out of Trinity High School. So you could go to the trophy case and tell them about all of David's accomplishments. Well, I've got a book full of Jesus' accomplishments right here. You could have letters from people acknowledging David as a proof there was a David spell. Well, I've got letter upon letter upon letter about people talking about Jesus and what he meant to them. Now, David, you could walk around next week and tell everyone I compared you to Jesus. But, uh, but why is it so much easier to get someone to believe in a David spell than it is a Jesus Christ? Well, number one, David doesn't claim to be the son of God. Missionaries around the world are not trying to get people to ask David into their heart. And churches around the world are not proclaiming Jesus, David, son, David Spell, as the Savior of the world. So why do we believe? How do we know there was a Jesus? Billions of people believe Jesus was one of the most important figures in world history, while many reject the idea that he ever existed. The number of people who believe he never existed has steadily increased over the last several years. There used to be, honestly, there used to be no debate on whether Jesus existed or not. Some believed he was a magician or that he was leading people astray, but the fact that he existed never was in question. There, of course, there are some that are never going to believe anything that they can't touch, smell, taste, feel. But then there are others that deep down know there was a Jesus but resist the idea of ever asking him into their life. But the biggest reason, the biggest reason that people would have no trouble believing that David Spell existed and not Jesus is that the devil doesn't care if you believe in David Spell. I love David, incredibly talented, great teacher here and at school, and probably the best in-game basketball coach in high school. But... David is not the devil's mortal enemy. And as a Christian, and by the life he leads, David is an enemy of the devil, and I hope we all are. But the devil hasn't been telling people for 2,000 years that David doesn't exist. But he has been telling people for 2,000 years that Jesus does not. So was it a dumb question? No. No. Why would people believe if a lot of people who proclaim there is a Jesus act like he never existed? 
See, I said this a couple of weeks ago, and it rings very true. We don't need more Christians in the world. We just need more people that are Christians to act more like Christ. See, once we give our lives to the devil, once we give our lives to Christ, the devil loses. But he will do his best to keep us from leading others to Christ. I've got two kids in my first block that, that live in the same neighborhood. And one of them depends on the other one for a ride. But the one with the car is the least dependable person in my class. And so the one that's always ready for school, ready up, ready to go, they get the same amount of lunch detentions because the other one doesn't pick them up on time. He oversleps, just running late, and it's, it's bad, but it's unfortunate, but the other one is spending all their time depending on this one kid. But God is depending on us. We are the hands and feet of Christ. We can't be the reason people do not believe that Jesus exists. So no, it's not a dumb question. We have to be a walking, talking answer to the question, does Jesus live? We have to be the reason people believe in Jesus, not question his existence. But, but how do I know he's real? Well, the easy answer is to know he lives because I've asked him into my life and I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. But there's a book. This book right here has 66 smaller books in it. It was written over a period of about 1,500 years and it makes up one book. The last book of the Old Testament was written 400 years before Jesus was born. 400 years. That's a long time. But yet the writers of the Old Testament tell about a Savior who's coming, and they give over 300 prophecies about this Savior. Then Jesus is born 400 years later, and he fulfills all those prophecies. That's hard not to believe. But it's not enough just to believe in Jesus. And it's not enough just to ask him into our lives as our Lord and Savior. See, he paid the ultimate price for you and I for that relationship. But he's asked us to do something. Go out and be fishers of men. See, one of my greatest fears, other than public speaking, is being the reason someone didn't come to know Jesus. That would be that's easily the worst fear I have is that someone would look at me and reject Jesus in their life because of something I've said, something I've done, or the way I've acted. See, at school, anyone that knows me at school, including the students and staff, know that I'm first and foremost a pastor. So what I do at the school, how I interact with everyone, I can't do anything to jeopardize that witness. But that's not just true for me, that's true for every one of you that have given your life to Christ. We can't do anything to ever jeopardize someone coming to know Jesus. The world needs more Christians to act like Christ. 
The minute more people start, the minute more Christians start to act like Christ, we're going to see a revival like we've never seen before. When we start to stand up for what is right and not afraid to upset the apple cart or not afraid to upset anyone because of popular opinion, we're going to see a revival in See, I'm not honestly worried about being politically correct. I just want to be correct. It won't always make me popular. It doesn't always fit with everyone's agenda. But one of these days, I'm going to have to answer for everything I've ever said or done. And it's going to be hard to say I didn't know any better when I've got an entire Bible that tells me better. And it tells me what is right and what is wrong. So unfortunately, this girl didn't ask a dumb question. There are too many people who claim there is a Jesus, but acting like he never existed or had any effect on their lives. So I can see why she would ask that question. If this is what this person sees, then no, it's not a dumb question. But it's up to us to make it abundantly clear that Jesus lives. That he is the reason we get up in the morning. The reason we have hope for tomorrow. And the song that we sang this morning basically spells it out. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. And because I know he holds the future. And this is my favorite part. And friends, life is worth the living just because he lives. See, you are the hands and feet of Christ. We are the hands and feet of Christ. We are the answer to how do we know there was, is, and still a Jesus. We know because he lives. We know because he died for us. We know because our hope in eternity is in him. We really know because when I see Shelly, I see Jesus. When I see David, I see Jesus. When I see you, I see Jesus. He's counting on us. We are the hands and feet of Christ. Let's have a time of open worship.
Well, please stand as we sing our benediction. receive this benediction. Dearly Father, may our whole life prove that you are good. Everything we do, we say, represents you and everything that comes along in our life that people see. Help us to reflect you. Lord, that when people see us, they see Jesus in us. And all these things we ask in your name. Amen.